hey, it's me or son. I don't know, man. Huge hole in my, you know, yeah. <laughs> understanding. <laughs> my fellow Americans. Probably <laughs> you. As long as you're, whatever you're doing, doesn't hurt anyone else, I don't care. Different perspective of what an interesting topic is than I would assume. This is Balance Exchange. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Rasan. We're back, and I'm here with... Baba Bear, and this is a Balanced Exchange. Today, I'll be talking a little bit about cycles of government as historically understood, and why a republic is fundamentally important in having a sustainable government going forward. So at this point in watching our videos, you may or may not know that I am an active duty United States Marine. And I've been doing this for 20 plus years, so I know that um, it's really important for me to make sure to get this out there. If it's your first time watching this, please stick around and make sure you understand the disclaimer. If you've watched a whole lot of our episodes so far, feel free to go ahead and jump ahead to the new content. Um, so what I need to talk about today is that I am not authorized and have no way of being approved to speak on behalf of the Marine Corps. So any opinion that I give or any concept that I discuss today is the position and the opinion of just me, myself, just a man who has a bachelor's degree in political science and a master's degree in leadership and organizational management and has spent my whole life looking at government structures and social contracts and how these things are supposed to work, what the philosophies and things behind them are, and read a lot of books on that kind of stuff. And it's definitely one of my personal and key passions. And so when you hear me maybe give a position or a concept on something that is only my own position, I am not a public affairs officer for the Marine Corps. I am in no way giving what the Marine Corps official position on anything would be. And honestly, a lot of the topics we're going to cover here, I'm pretty sure the Marine Corps doesn't have a particular position on. Um, so if you do have any questions about what the Marine Corps policy on certain things could be, you can definitely research that and find those out um, or leave a comment or send us a message. Uh, if you can get a hold of us somehow, we can maybe be able to answer those questions for you. So with that said, let's get you back to this week's content. Awesome. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing about that. I, with our previous conversations, we like to have topics where we go back and forth on um, something we probably don't know about and where one of us is strong, the other one's kind of weak. So um, I don't know a lot of cycles of government. I know traditionally... Um, republics don't last forever or any main power doesn't last forever. I think we're overdue as far as like staying in power for this long because it's around like 150 years. That's what scares the shit out of me to be completely honest. Like the idea, right, that we're overdue is what fucking scares me so bad. Like, so, yeah. so, sorry, continue, sorry. Well, no, especially with the civil unrest. I mean, like right now, these are like all the signs of like, is, like Rome is falling. <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely negative. This is 100% exactly where we are right now, right? That's what tells you for sure that there are signs to show you why a republic is important. But yeah. That's, well, that's what I'm going to talk about. Well, start laying it out, man. I'd, I'd love oh, to. Shit. Okay. No, go ahead. Finish beer. Mm. While you can. Okay, so I got um, a peanut butter milk stout. Still drinking that. I think this is the same thing as last time. I think so. Uh, I got to ship you beer. I, I didn't forget. I got to ship you more beer. I forgot. <laughs> sort of that's true um it was funny as i have um i have some like craft uh fruit ones which include a bit less like of the wheat and stuff because we talked about before yeah and they've literally been sitting on the counter and we went and bought more of these because they are so good yeah 
<laughs> I just keep drinking the stouts, man. It's so good. I love stouts too. Right now, I'm drinking a uh, Hoppin' Frog Pentuple. I think this is a. Uh, it tastes like a Belgian style. Yeah, it is a Bel- Belgian style Pentuple. Mm. So it's five time. Well, it's like a triple, but not. It's weird. Anyway, it's fifty percent alcohol, so it's pretty fucking good. <laughs> it reminds me of like Dragon Milk style. It's yeah, that's a really good beer too. <laughs> really good. So the my first experience with Dragon style, like I just bought them. It's a four pack, right? Normally when they come, yeah, yeah. And uh, I had no idea what these were, and I just was looking for a stout. So I grabbed them, thinking you know Guinness like, right? And I grab one, sit down on the couch, drink a beer. We're watching, <laughs> I think it was Game of Thrones because it was years ago. Yeah. I sit on the couch. I get up, get a second one. Come back, sit down on the couch, drinking it. I get up to get the third one though. I was like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Why am I like tossed at this point? I like, grab the third one, pop it, and like, I'm like, fifteen percent. Yeah. It'll oh get my it gosh. Done. Okay. That's why. Slide the sleeve on and go sit down. Finish this beer up, but. Oh my gosh, it surprised me, that's for sure. Yeah, it's why it's one of the reasons why I like drinking uh high alcohol content beers is because I drink less of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Calorie content. Yeah, yeah. Like, trying to trying to watch yeah. the calorie intake a little bit. Um but yeah, I love I love strong beers. So I guess to to start us off, so do you know what there there are really only three basic and fundamental types of social order or government and you know what those are i'm guessing a dictatorship um a democracy a republic and there's probably one for like kings and queens and shit okay so monarchy (laughs) monarchy and dictatorship as you described them are actually the same okay like the same thing um so then you mentioned democracy democracy is the other so one you were missing that you didn't really mention any kind of is called an aristocracy. Okay. So there are three fundamental kinds of government. Um, some can have different flavors, right, even as they're set up. Um, but fundamentally, they fall into one of those three categories. The, the, the dictatorship monarchy is generally referred to, and most of my, my personal preference for a reference on this topic is a, is a book. Um, do you know who um, Niccolo Machiavelli is? Oh, it sounds familiar. I know mostly through Tupac. <laughs> yeah. I, I okay. So I fundamentally assumed you would have probably known that, right? <laughs> that that part of it. Um, so not Machiavelli, but Machiavelli. So Niccolo Machiavelli is famous for a book called The Prince. Um, I will do a little bit of history on Machiavelli now, if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he, to me, is one of the like the principal writers on understanding governments and social contracts that you need to read. Like if you've ever read Karl Marx or, um, uh, oh gosh, I can't think right now. He's the guy that wrote after the American, basically he wrote on the American experiment. And I, I can't believe I can't think of it right now. Uh, so, so anyways, there, there's a couple of really fundamental like governments like writers um, that make you understand the way social contracts work. Mm -hmm. Machiavelli to me is one of those. But the problem with his legacy is that most people associate him with one of his books, which is called The Prince. Um, So he was originally an advisor 
to this family in Florence, in feudal Italy, where the Roman the Roman system had fallen apart, right? And these small small little city states had formed. So there's a small city with a fortress and a wall and all the protection, and then the area generally surrounding it, like you would think of medieval times, right? Um, had had come to be the power source. So he was an advisor to this city and uh, to this family who is in the lead for the city of Florence. Um, they were overthrown by another family, right? So this family gets killed. They basically, they basically kill all of those people, take over. He gets kicked out of the city and is trying to say, like, look, I still know how to run all this stuff. Like, give me a job, right? Yeah. So he writes this book that says, it's called The Prince and says, basically, look, if you're going to be a prince, right, if you're going to lead this city as a individual in charge who makes the decisions, these are the kind of the rules and the guidelines that I know you need to follow in order to be successful in that venture. So he writes his book, hands it to the to the family, and they're like, "Oh, cool, thanks." Well, you basically wrote me a guidebook. The fuck do I need you for? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Which is terrible. You're like, "Oh yeah. my god!" But also, you're like, "That makes sense." They're basically already following the guidelines he wrote in the book. So most of the time, when you hear people talk about like Machiavellian concepts. And like Machiavellian rules, and we say that's Machiavellian. They assume that you're saying like you're cutthroat and you're ruthless and you're like very overhand, like controlling and like I am going to decide all these things. I don't let you decide. It's up to me. It's my decisions. That's it. But that's him saying like if that's the kind of government you're running, these are the rules you need to follow. Otherwise, this shit's going to go sideways. It's very interesting. So I'm guessing that, well, I guess they didn't know uh, what his value was. Because basically, he, to them, he gave away all his value because he didn't he really did. explain. He, didn't, he, he was not a good salesman. <laughs> yeah, like, I got this idea. Here's the first two chapters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll hold the rest of it. You want it? So did they actually did they come? He gave him the book. Yeah, the whole book. Yeah, that, that really sucks. So did he write and more? I have, a copy. I have a copy over there. But the problem is that that's not what he believed in, right? Mm. So what he was selling was, here's where you are, and here's what you have to deal with. Here's how you manage that. Yeah. Is that right? No, but if you had to, this is what you got to deal with. What's right? Oh, it's this thing over here. And so since since you kicked me out, told me to just go back to my, my estates and farm, which he did, he then wrote a book over the next 10 years called Discourses on the First 10 Years of Titus Livius, this really, really long title, generally just referred to as The Discourses by Machiavelli, right? So in this, he does research. He talks about everything that was like the history of Rome and its republic and how it fell and all of these things and, and shows that the most successful and the most stable governments were a republic. So why that matters? And we'll go back to the original starting. Is there are only three. So there are three basic kinds of government. Um, so when if we if we imagine the state of nature, um, do you remember do you remember who it was that wrote like um, the concepts on the state of nature? Like it was around the same time as um, Darwin was writing, and they wrote about the state of nature, like these islands where if if you imagine you just plot some people down in there, how they would survive. Do you remember that? I don't remember who it was. What was that? No, it wasn't state of nature. I might no, actually go I don't ahead know. and take a second. Yeah, no, go ahead, take a second. Yeah, I don't, I don't know 
who it is. I'm actually, so I actually wanted to make a note. If you hear me, if you're click clacking in the background, or you or see my eyes kind of go unfocused for a second. It's because I'm actually typing down like what you're saying for notes. So don't think I'm not paying attention to what you're saying. It's I'm just writing, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. typing stuff and I have mm -hmm. a very loud keyboard. It's mechanical. So it was Hobbes. Um, let's see. Thomas Hobbes. So Thomas Hobbes wrote on this this concept of the state of nature. And I lost you. There we go. Switch over here. Oh, here. There we go. Sorry. New setup, right? So new background. I'm used to being things over there. I, I'm sorry. So, it's all good. Um, but your keyboard still works, right? <laughs> oh, your, your <laughs> screen's all... Are your screens in different locations too? I guess. Now, now they're yeah. There's there's one instead of being you could see it right. It used to be you could see it right here. Yeah. <laughs> That's because the camera was facing that way. But now you're on the. I was gonna say you're on that side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now now they're the same. I'm like, oh, dang it. Um. So Thomas Hobbes wrote about this concept called the state of nature. So if we were to take you and I and twenty other people, plop us on an island, boom, no rules. What the fuck do we do? Right. What happens? And that's called the state of nature. So the natural order of things would be that one of us, one of those 25, 20, 30, whatever people end up on this island together. Have you seen, um, have you seen, uh, what's it called? Lost. Lost. Yeah. Yeah. So in my political science 101 class, my professor was freaking really, really cool. And basically each week we watched one episode of The Lost. <laughs> And talked about the social structure concept and how that applied oh, yeah. to the fundamental social order, right? So one person basically who is probably probably smarter, probably better educated, probably has a better understanding of what's going on. And we all look to and go, uh, do you understand what's going on? How do we survive right now? Um, and also generally, this is totally stupid and sidebar, but it's probably the truth. Probably the taller person. Yeah, yeah it's, I mean... Absolutely stupid, but that's generally no. It is true. Yeah, people assume that tall people are smarter, but they're they're not. As far as I'm mm -hmm. concerned, they're not necessarily tall. They're just taller. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. uh, but but I know this stuff, right? But um, so we generally look to them, right? So what happens is, in single individual, generally with the right intention, um, and the knowledge and the, the abilities, we all decide, like, hey, look, you know what? I agree. I'll follow you. You you decide. We'll, we'll we'll do what we need to do because we do need to be unified. We need to move in one direction, otherwise none of us survive. Yeah. So that is generally and in 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 Machiavellian terms in the discourses, he refers to it as what's called a principality. So imagine the prince, right? The prince is there. He's in charge. That's the person you refer to, and it's noble. It's a good person. It's a person you trust, and a person who has the good intentions, right? It's a good thing that this good person is in charge and making decisions and is decisive and is leading us in a good direction. That doesn't sound like a bad thing, right? Things happen. Things get done. Like, we move forward, and it's great. Um, so historically, it doesn't mean it always has happened, but historically, principalities are passed through lineage. That's kind of generally a bad thing. Well, yeah, because you never know who the next person's going to be. <laughs> and we, and we, and we so, all know, like, this is the the bad part about the way that humans work is that if you don't, mm -hmm. if you grow up in, you know, the lap of luxury, you probably won't be the the, the greatest person. Just that's right, the truth speaking. Right? Yeah. You never know scarcity. Yeah, yeah. It's you all abundance. That feels like. yeah. How can you make this business for people who are dealing with that every day? Yeah, you don't care about the serfs. <laughs> so <laughs> so say, say two, three, four generations later, does that son of the son of the son of the person who actually was good and was doing good things for our society know what's good for everybody? Yeah, no. 
<laughs> have they lived forever in, in abundance and have never dealt with this, right? So then what you fall into is a dictatorship. So so the general concept that he, he outlay he lays out basically in the discourse is that there are three kinds and that each of those three kinds has a good kind and a bad kind. The kind that has fallen into decay and become some shit that none of us want. Yeah. So principality declines and becomes dictatorship. At some point when we all realize this shit is not working, this dictatorship does not work anymore, a group, a small group, usually an elite, the educated, the financially well-off, the, the people who can do something about this, step up, kick that person out, take over, and then now you have 5 to 10, 15, 20, depends on the size of your society, who are now in charge. They are your aristocracy. Right? So they are your elite who now are well-educated, can make good decisions, understand the realities of both sides of it, and can make these decisions. Um, so eventually they then also go through the same issues where they spend enough years making those decisions to realize, well, like, I could make decisions for my own business. It's not going to hurt anything this time. <laughs> yeah. But eventually that does, right? It's human nature. Like, anytime you get somebody, you know... Most people, when you give them power, like they just want more power, right? And they mm-hmm. and they tend to abuse it. Um, the problem is, is that with, with pretty much any sort of hierarchical structure, when it comes to like the government, is that we give we first first of all, at least with democracy and even their our republic anyway, these are all popularity popularity contests where it's like yeah. if you really want to look at things, all these people that are winning these popularity contests probably shouldn't be in power. Like seriously, they're probably. I mean, if your if your goal is to seek more and more power, you probably don't deserve it. I think most people um, would be way more careful with wielding power if they never wanted it to begin with, and they just had to be qualified, and then they got the power. But that's not how we're our monkey brains are designed for some reason. So, <laughs> do, do you know? Um, so, who would you consider to be historically? Let, let's go like at least. 60 years back, right? Don't even think now. And let's skip Kennedy, okay? Because most of us would agree that Kennedy was probably the last, like, genuinely good dude who wanted to do good things and, it, you know... Paid the price, it. yeah. So before him, who would you consider to be probably, like, the best, genuine, honest, good, like, <sighs> wants to do the right thing president? Man, well, they all have problems, right? So we, sure. When you go back then, but... It's far. I mean, I, I got to speak from. Wait, and, oh, sorry, and not Abraham Lincoln. So between those two, sure. Six years back and back to Abraham. Can't be. Can't be Lincoln. I mean, for me, honestly, even though this person has issues, but it's also some of my bias. But it probably have to be Lyndon Johnson, only because of what he. Oh, geez. So good call. Except that most people would never go there, right? I love that you did that because Johnson is one of my favorite freaking presidents, and he is underrated, super underrated. But yeah. most people. Most people would never even think about that. Well, because I don't think about yeah, most people I, don't understand civil rights. And so the yeah. fact that he yeah. decided to just be like, hey, all right, this needs to get done and let's do it. Yeah. People are people are hurting. You know, I, I understand that this is going to cause other pain for other people, but the people yeah. that are on the bottom right now are, are really fucked up. So let's let's do it. I understand he has issues in the past, but he stepped up. So, <laughs> yeah, even as a senator. So I will tell you, like, there are a couple of autobiographies out about him that, that say that almost all of his decisions were political, right? Yeah. He was a smart enough dude. He looked at, at the way things were and he really got it and knew like, this is the way things are going. 
Things yeah. are changing. These changes need to happen. I'm going to lean in on them, and I'm going to be ahead. It wasn't because he felt that way. He's from Texas. Yeah. From the middle of nowhere, Texas. He, he did not agree with these things, but he knew that's the way the country was going. So he leaned in, even as a senator, and said, we need to push this way. Um, he, he fought against, like, several in his own party dudes who, like, did not want to break on civil rights. And even simple shit like electricity needs to be a requirement for everyone. <laughs> yeah. He did not believe that at the time, right? So he, he leaned in hard. So I love that you went that way. That's not what I'm sorry. <laughs> so who are you going to pick? <laughs> so, so Teddy Roosevelt. I, I, that's, what I was, I, that's what I was thinking normally. Next, but then I was like, yeah. you know, Lyndon Johnson. Thank you for so Johnson giving us ambitious right. shit. He was the most ambitious dude ever. Like that dude wanted the power. He wanted it 100% of the time, every day, all the time. Yeah. But um, Teddy was like, no, I don't want to have anything to do with this. He was just, he was just a dude from the middle of nowhere. He just wanted to live on his ranch and survive and do his thing. Yeah. So he ended up being the Republican nominee, and he had no idea. He showed up to the convention. And the, the convention, like, the party had no nominee at that time. And wow. they just decided to choose Teddy. And he's like, no, I don't, I don't want to deal with this crap. No, I just want to live my life in the middle. I'm good. So he wins. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll be president. And I think that's crazy, right? Like, you're like, we could never see that today. I feel like... No, I mean, especially not just system. Yeah. Like, the, the only way... <laughs> I was talking to this with my girlfriend uh, earlier today, and because you know, we're, we're talking about, I don't know if you noticed that today, you know, President Trump just announced that he's doing like 15 pardons, um, and they're all, you know, basically, Uber. what's up? That's a low number. Yeah, well, I mean, all at once. I mean, he's on his way out, I, but it's some of the picks that he was doing is just like, are, are you serious? Like, there were some Blackwater guys that were on there that, that committed war crimes and like killed a bunch of unarmed civilians. I'm just like, for real? And I was like, yeah, you know, I've been, I've been complaining about this since um, President Bush, the second second Bush. Um, I voted for him twice, you know, and I complained about it even more with, with Barack Obama because they kept um, getting more and more of these executive powers. I'm just like, yes. it, it, they need to, like, you know, roll it back. So, I'm like, when I saw with the Affordable Health Care Act, the way he, you know, kind of pushed it through and used his party power and, like, all these other various the affordable health care wasn't executive order but he definitely did use you know a lot of presidential power to push these things through but i was like listen all my like most of my friends at the time were um democrats or liberals um and i was like listen it's all good for you now but when the next guy comes in what do you think is going to happen with all this power you're giving him yeah and this is what's happening now so i'm like i think that what joe biden should do what he's probably not going to do is write up a fucking bill to roll back the fuck the executive powers and he's the yeah, yeah he won't do it but i mean it would take somebody that doesn't want the job to do it to like listen this is too much power for one person to have let's yeah. roll it back to like the way it's supposed to like to more constitutionality constitution constitutional ality Const- yeah constitutionality constitutionality, constitutionality. Yeah. there we go and like definitely right. keep separating you know the three branches of government and not like Make it so they're all like, most of the power is on this one dude, or it's someday a right. woman, you know? Yeah, probably soon. Probably, yeah. I mean, it's there. The writing's on the wall. Our, our time is up. Auditor, <laughs> I mean, in this term. Oh, likely, yeah. It could be. I don't. You know, the guy's pretty fucking old. So. He is. So so like I, 
I wrote the or I did this classes. This is gonna tell you how long I've been doing. So like I got my bachelor's degree in twenty fourteen. Nice. And I did my I started my very first class for my bachelor's in two thousand four. Wow. Took the yeah. long route, huh? One of those classes <laughs> was the presidential presidential election of two thousand four. And one of the things like you learn studying presidential elections is that age is a huge determining factor. Like how old is this person? Whether or not we talk about it and whether or not it's on the news and whether or not it's like, oh, it's not on the ballot, you don't choose that. We all know. Like when we make that decision, yeah. we're looking at the person, we're like, are you gonna survive this term? Like, are you gonna live through this? Because yeah. we don't need that upset. We don't need to like throw the throw everything out the balance and, and like have it go to the vice president. That's crazy, right? Um, so that weighs on our conscious as a, as a society, whether or not we realize it. And if you look historically through the age, the younger person like always wins. You're like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. Um, so, so for me, the fact that they're both very, very old for the last election we had, um, made me just continually joke about like, well, we're we basically elect the vice president. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, the crazy thing to me is that you, you saw like the, the anti, um, they call it, they ageism is what they're trying to say or oh, you're ageist if you yeah. if you could send but they are old like why are we playing games here yeah. people don't live to be that long or to be that old you know what i mean like if you get live to be 100 you're lucky and these guys are pushing 80 so yeah. and you should be retired like, yeah it's like you you should be able to um i i don't want to be a dick but i guess i'm going to do it. you don't have too many good you don't do have too many fresh fucking ideas yeah. when you're damn near 80 years old you don't you had 80 years to figure to figure out your ideals, and you're probably going to stick to them. And that's just the way it's going to be. You know what I mean? So, like, hopefully, proves me wrong. <laughs> Go ahead. So, if you're 80, if you're 80 today, when were you born? Jesus, it was 20s. No, no, the no, 40s. 40s. Yeah, in the so, 40s. 40s. Before, way before the internet. In the 40s. <laughs> yeah. Right. No fucking like industrial revolution. Like you're like, oh, hey, look, cars. Yeah. And shit, like. We're we're on the brink of like flying fucking cars at this point. Like yeah. it's ridiculous. Like we're talking about back to the future level shit. These guys grew up through depression and like frustration and and industrialization and building dams and stuff that we've said, hey, let's stop doing that because it's damaging the environment we need to live in for the rest of our lives, right? Yeah, I I, I, don't, know, I don't know. I think but like like you're saying it's hard for you to come up with new, fresh ideas that don't hinge somehow on that long history that you have and aren't tied to current concepts. It's just weird. I mean, certain folks can do Like, I've, I've met older people that have been yeah. on the ball. You know what I mean? That They're still caught up. Like, my uh, my grandmother-in-law, she's on Facebook. She She's on it all the time. I don't think yeah. Joe Biden even knows what the fuck Facebook is. Like, I don't think he understands, like, the way the internet works. I don't think he understands a lot Someone of stuff. What's up? Someone else manages that person. Yeah, and that's the problem. Like, they're, like, and that's the problem with, like, most of Congress is that their 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 age is, like, so high up there. It's like, you don't understand the way our current tech works. And the way our current tech works should be what is really driving a lot of the policies here in America. Um, yeah. But they don't understand, like, that, that it goes hand in hand. They're just like... Oh well, I'm just gonna do these things. What my constituents might think are right, that I think is right, maybe. What's well, whatever the party tells them. Yeah, but mostly yeah, what the party tells them. And it's just like, 
it's it's so it's so wrong. Like there, like if you look at the um, the DNC debates, I would say there was probably maybe five candidates that were up there that really understood technology. Yeah, that's maximum. Probably only two. I mean, <laughs> and the fact that we have the oldest person that was actually I think Bernie was older, wasn't he by like like a year or two? Barely. Yeah, barely. barely. Yeah, but I'm like, even Bernie's ideas, they're, they're Bernie, fucking old. Bernie deserves his own party. He does, right? yeah. Bernie honestly deserves his own party, and if we had a system that supported that, it would be great. Yeah, I mean, I, well, it's, it, I mean, Bernie Sanders, Mar- Marianne Williamson, Andrew Yang, Tulsi Gabbard, um, they all aren't really Democrats as far as I'm concerned. And that's, I'm not disparaging them. I, I'm saying it complimentary, you know, because <laughs> like... They don't have those like ideas. Libertarian that goes and runs for a seat as a Republican because they're like, uh, it's the best I can do, and actually get freaking elected and maybe be able to make an impact, hopefully help, right, make a change. Because there are quite a few out there who are currently elected in probably smaller, lower, lower level positions in in state legislatures and in uh, you know gubernatorial positions that are probably actually libertarian, but they ran as Republicans because it's the only way. You get enough support to win those seats. Yeah, see that, and that's that's part of the problem with power. Like you, you're already yeah. whittling away your own morals just to get in there and get that get that little bit of power, get that little sniff. And it's just like, and, yeah. yeah. Did you hear about the guy? I forget yeah. his, forget his name, but there was a guy who, um, he renounced being a Republican and then yep. he became an independent. And then he just left. He left Congress. He was just like, fuck this. So, it, so it's a it's a. It's sold that way a little. And I think we talked about it a little bit already. So the articles often read that he, like, gave up his thing. But he's just not running for re-election. He was up yeah. for re-election this year, and he's just not going to run. Um, because he's tired of the crap that is a part of our system right now and trying to make the difference he wants to make and not being able to because the party is holding back, right? And yeah. I think that it's, it doesn't change the narrative you and I are having right now. But it, it's just no. It's worth noting. Yeah. Make sure to make it make it clear. Yeah, it's it's more factual. Sorry, when I, I keep saying because I, I watched him um, when he was yeah. speaking about it, but he didn't mention that when he was speaking. So that's why I keep going back to what <laughs> I'm saying. Because because that's good for him. Yeah, he doesn't want to sell that. It's good PR. But the truth is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So okay, so sorry to bring it back around. So so aristocracy. <laughs> Uh, all right. So the aristocracy is like an elite group running it. The people with money, people with education, people with power. So probably business owners, professors, whatever. Right. Um, so they take over. They kick that dude out. They like kill him probably in old times. Today, maybe we just change the structure. Who knows? Um, so they take over. They have good intentions. They eventually decline. And that's what's called an oligarchy. So an oligarchy is a group real rich folks. Small, what's that? The real rich folks, like uh, like in Russia. <laughs> yeah, right. And so honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not right. So even even I would I would I would propose to people, and I would love to argue them back that China technically today is actually an oligarchy, right? So they call themselves socialists or communists, but it's really like a very specific, a very elite very select group of people who are allowed to be in their um, their seats in power. 
um, and they have to follow the one-party rule, right? They have to be a part of this system. Um, so it's, it's really functioning like an oligarchy. Yeah, I mean, well, most people, when they say socialism, I mean, like, listen, socialism has never worked in all of human history. It, it hasn't. Right. Um, if you want to talk about true socialism, and then you talk about China and Russia, but it's just like you just mentioned, they, they are both basically oligarchies, um, which means that in a true socialist uh, country, there would be no billionaires or, you know, there'd be none. There wouldn't even be millionaires. Like they would all distribute the wealth. I, I think the one that came probably the closest might've been Cuba, but even Cuba kind of fucked it up. You know what I mean? So Castro, Castro ran too much of it to himself. Uh, I know he had, again, had good intentions, but any human, it's hard when given that level of authority. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It goes sort of against, you know, human nature. It's like if you're putting so much, if you're working, if you have skills that you know are more valued to society yeah. than somebody else, then it's hard for somebody to, you know, take from you, like, at a higher rate. You know what I mean? Um, actually, not even at a higher rate. It's just like it, it's it becomes to an unfair point. It's like you, you should not be, I should not be getting the same amount of value as a somebody that flips burgers at a mcdonald's like i'm sorry my, my value is far higher I, I contribute way more to society um but in in social in traditional socialist structures we would be basically having the same sort of deal and that's that's the issue with purist socialism communism concepts and i think that's where like we talked last time about ubi where a blended concept a thing that says you should still strive for success however we need to not let people die Exactly. Um, yeah, is is an agreeable thing. <laughs> so there's, there needs to be a plan. Yeah. Um, but but in the um, in the aristocracy, the the group, the small group, eventually will end up choosing to benefit themselves because they can, and it's not necessarily because it's right. But even if it's a generation later, or say it's you know three or four businesses later, they make their way into it or, you know, a, a different professor gets their way in and they've learned how the system works. Um, and honestly, like, I think that's a big part of it, understanding the system. When we don't change the system frequently enough, as soon as you get it, you can control it. And then once you control it, then you, you take, you take advantage of it. So if it's constantly shifting, constantly changing, constantly moving, it makes it so it's more honest, more pure, more, uh, better for the society, but the the aristocracy then eventually becomes that that oligarchy who is mostly mostly in those positions to benefit themselves or their peers. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean it totally makes sense. It's just, yeah, I mean, if, that's the problem is when it comes to like aristocracies and oligarchies, it really comes down to like massive generational wealth, right? And that's all mm -hmm. it is. It's basically just momentum's of of wealth that gets pushing, 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 but all you have to do is basically if you have generational wealth, all you have to do is make that wealth once and then your family for until basically the end of fucking time can roll off of that, roll off of that wealth. Once your money makes money and no matter, no matter how it happens, unless somebody comes in there and like forces you to do something or kills you, you know, which happens. And then segue, right? Yeah. So then, who that usually is, it's fucking all of us, right? Yeah. We all realize, like, this shit is not working. Like, I'm still struggling. What, who the fuck are these 10 dudes? Yeah. Why? Why do they have everything? So then what happens is then we overthrow 
all that shit and say, we're just going to do democracy. We will all decide what is best for all of us. We make those decisions together. Let's all decide. So we establish a democracy. The democracy is 100%. All people, all vote. And honestly, like a lot of, a lot of the Roman Republic, whether or not you believe it or not, was heavily influenced by the democracy by the end of its time, right? So the democracy, like every single citizen was required to show up in Rome at the stocks and freaking vote on decisions by the end of the republic, right? So like you had to come in and drop your black stone or your white stone into the thing to decide on every single decision. And that was basically the way democracy is really viewed as a purist, 100% of the population who are citizens, because again, not all people were considered citizens. I think we can have a conversation about who should really be considered citizens versus residents. All of the topics. That's, that's going to go into like a Starship Trooper territory. <laughs> yes. I would love to talk about that because yeah. I think we have some close, but maybe a little bit different things. They're probably closer than you think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But so, so the democracy is a 100% pure. Everybody votes. Everybody decides. We are one group. We all decide together. 51% decision made. So the problem with that is 49% of the people are pissed off. There's like a whole bunch of people who didn't agree with that decision. And as long as you break the threshold of like 51%, that's the way we're going. You leave a lot of your society not happy with the way we're going and maybe not even agreeing with the direction we're going. Um, so eventually people just don't show up and they just do whatever the fuck they want. And then, then your rules don't really matter. And how do you enforce those rules when you have 10%, 1%, half a percent of the population enforcing those rules? They're just going to do what they want. What does that sound like? I mean, that's basically where we are now. When people just do whatever they want. What's that, what's that called? Oh, uh, that's uh, anarchy, basically. Anarchy. <laughs> so democracy trades its way into anarchy eventually, no matter what. 100% democracy, pure, becomes anarchy. I didn't understand. So those are the three, which are really six. There's a good and a bad of each. So three, really six. That's good. Um, I like that breakdown. I, you know, what's funny is that I didn't understand until literally this year. Because uh, I was always for, why the fuck don't we just vote on everything? Why don't we just, you know, have, yeah. we, we have technology. Why don't we just use apps and just vote on everything? Now I understand what we don't. There's a lot. I, I didn't understand the percentage of people who I would consider very stupid that live in America and I don't have any problem calling them stupid. Um, cause there are people that, that should not be voting. They don't know. They literally don't understand what they're voting on. They don't read anything about like what they're voting on. Um, and they're even against just like basic voting rights, like being able to like vote by mail. I'm um, just like, how are you, how are you, how did somebody convince you that that's a bad thing? Like, I've been voting by mail, and most of the military has voted by mail yeah. pretty much their whole careers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I voted in person, I think, once, maybe twice in my entire lifetime. So so I joined the military at 18 years old. I have never once voted in person. Yeah, there's, there's no need to. There's no need to. And I have voted every single year. Nice. I, I, so, I, 
I didn't vote in 2016 because I was I was pretty pissed. But oh, okay, so so to be a little more specific than you, every single year, I don't I don't only vote on presidential elections. Like I vote oh, like on all the local stuff, district shit, and yeah. yeah. So here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. I have not lived in Vancouver, Washington, for 20 years. <laughs> I'm still like, hmm, does this tax on property to support school districts make sense? Hmm, let me read about it. Yeah, and make it like that still seems overwhelming for me. Like, I'm like I don't, this is not going to impact my children or my my property costs. It's so funny because I talked to my wife about it. Like, if I vote for an increase in property taxes in Vancouver, Washington, was it hurt me? Yeah, schools. Yes, <laughs> someone else is paying those taxes. <laughs> That's fucked up. I well. There's certain times. Yeah, like, what am I supposed to do? Well, this I is actually. I'm glad you brought that up because this is something that that's been confusing to people that don't understand how like absentee voting really works. Yeah. Um, is that they were like, oh, well, how come there are people that didn't live in the state that were voting in the state? It's because of literally what you just said. Because when you're yeah. in the military and you're and you're, you're traveling, you, your home of residence is probably still in the state that you're from, probably. So. There were some some random weird people. I don't know who they are living in the house that I'm registered to vote. Yeah, but you can. I mean, you can you can change your resident. You, right now, you could change it to where you live if you wanted to. Yeah, but yes. but it's California wildlife. Yeah, you don't you don't always want to. So that that's what people don't they don't get. They think it's like some weird conspiracy, but it, that's the way it's always been. And the I think the gist of it is is they they assume that eventually you're going to come back to where you're yes. from if you're in the military. Yeah. So, which I, I guess, sort of did. I mean, I came back to the Bay Area after a long time. Yeah. And that that's why it's like that. I think that's, most people don't understand, like, what, and, what voting and, really... And on, I joke, I joke. I make those decisions based on the idea that I'm going to live there. Like, I, yeah. I'm trying to make decisions as a good citizen of that area, assuming, like, what if I owned a house? Would I be willing a little bit of additional property tax to know that I was paying for school districts in our town. Yes, right? That's not a thing you you, you don't think yes on, at least me, right? But like, it, I don't want to vote a higher property tax in my county or in my city to pay for a, a dam like over there in some other county yeah. in some other town. Like, no, I get that that's a state tax for all of us, but how does that help me unless that thing provides power to the whole city. And it's like, yeah, it should come locally. Yeah. are hard. It's hard without all that information and you have to do research and most people are too fucking lazy to do it. Well, that, that, that's why I love doing the whole, you know, absentee voting or just voting, voting by mail, however you want to call it, is that I have time to like sit there and be like, okay, I'm, I'm reading my ballot and be like, okay, I don't know enough about this subject and I'll look it up on the internet. You know what I mean? Even though I have that big-ass booklet, but I'll look up a fucking video. I'll look up both sides, too. Like, well, who's for it? Who's against it? But if you're just going it... Go ahead. Because to, to make those decisions, you need to hear both sides. Yeah. Because someone might have a good argument that you didn't think about. Yeah, like one of them that was... Um, I think it was for... It was for and against dialysis machines. Oh, like, like when they could be open. And one of them was... Basically, the thing was... the The bill was for... They needed to have a doctor on site at all times at a dialysis place. I'm like, okay, like, 
first of all, like, why would you really need a doctor on a dialysis place? Because it's basically, from, as far as I'm concerned, you just need a phlebotomist to, to do this. Technician. Yeah, so then I looked it up and I looked on both sides. And, like, the downside of if, if you wanted to have a doctor in there, they said it's definitely going to close down dialysis locations because they're going to have to have staff a doctor at all times um, at this place. And I'm like, well, then no, because if you're going to reduce the amount of care that you can give to your customers, you know, or your patients or whatever, whatever you want to call them, um, then why would I vote for that? If, unless unless your argument is people are dying from not having a doctor there, which was nowhere in that argument, then I might have been for it. But I mean, nobody's dying from it because doctors, I, doctors don't insert needles into people's arms. Like they don't. <laughs> so why would you do this? Yeah. Yeah. So 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 again, this is all to show, right, that making decisions on the mass as individuals is complicated. So if we can have and the way ours is set up sort of is like a representative democracy portion where you select a smaller group, you can have an opportunity to be better educated on the topic specifically, and then make those decisions for the state. So I think we've we've led towards historically over the last at least 60, 80 years um, towards a tendency to believe that we should push everything to make individual decisions instead of allowing our state legislatures who could maybe have an opportunity to be better educated on the decision and make those decisions with more information. If that's the premise. Right? Yeah, but it's um, yeah. we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if that's the premise, which. I think it goes back to our original conversation on, on properly representing the people um, and not letting them be bought by people. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you're doing it with the right intentions and you have the right information, you can make those decisions as an average citizen. And there are a lot of people who argue that term limits help enforce that concept where yeah. you can only be there so long, you can't get bought. Um, that's, that's complicated. It is. And I don't disagree, but I also think um, you could have a one-term term limit if we all just vote the asshole out. Yeah, that's the problem. If the person doesn't do what you want them to do, vote for somebody else. However, we don't do that, right? We don't. We're not educated enough. We don't even know the decisions half of our legislators are making. We don't know why those decisions are, or are not what we would have chosen. None of us even know the decisions are making. And it's so also. How do we, whether or not they should or shouldn't stay. Yeah, and it's also when you talk about term limits, it's like how long is it really? Like I, I understand like <clears throat> I think for like when you get to like the House level, the Congress in general, um, people will say like, oh, you know, four four years, eight years. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't think that's enough. Um, hear my argument. All right, if you're if you get a new job, how long does it take you to get really good at that job? It's probably not four years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If it's is it eight years, maybe um, at least two. Like yeah, just even figure out where your ass is. Yeah, but that but I put you at like the at like kind of like the bottom level as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I know who to talk to to figure out where the bathrooms are. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've, I've been doing my my same job for well, I've been in IT for over twenty years. It's like twenty. I think I'm pushing twenty three years, something like that. But if I if I would have said have a term limit for somebody in Congress, um, at twenty three years, yeah. then people have been like no. But I'm like, but for me it's okay. But I'm also I'm only like forty one years old, so it's a little different for me. I, I understand that, and that gets into like the whole how old are you thing too. Are, are you cognitively there? 
So and that's why those age limits. I honestly like. I look at the con like the constitution, right? And I look at the age limits that they specifically put in. Like you need to be at least this old, and like it makes sense. Like looking at it from I think me and you's perspective, where you're like, some of them it's like, holy shit, that's kind of young. But you're also like, well, I want you to be there a little while and figure some stuff out, learn how to perform and behave and and act and still be a little impulsive. That's the point of a house, right? The house is the house is supposed to be unruly a little bit. The house is supposed to be where dudes pull their cane swords and fucking stab each other. Right? <laughs> and I think I think that the, the problem is we've lost perspective on that where I don't mind if the house is a little bit crazy. If shit never happens in the house other than people fighting over stuff, that's fine. Because it's 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 the forced conversations that you and I are having right now. Yeah, I'll give a a, a good example from recent memory. Uh, Alex, Alexandria Casio Cortez, AOC. Yeah. When she first got elected, and she was like. Basically, the you know left was like, oh, she's so great, blah 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 blah, and then I was like, I saw like how she she had like record low turnout of votes, so like she, <laughs> I was just like, okay, and then she didn't know like the actual um, the three branches of government when they asked her, and I was just like, what the fuck, how is this happening? And now that I'm understanding, it's like, all right, okay, okay so she fucked up, all right, in the beginning, but now she seems to be like, you know, kind of she's getting some traction. She says some kind of off the wall shit that I don't agree with. But she definitely seems like a more, um, more well put together person than she first was like, you know, because before, like, she didn't seem like she knew a lot. But now, she, I mean, she didn't stride. You know, she's bringing up real issues. Yeah, but she, I mean, she's like, she's the new first sergeant who shows up, man. Yeah. <laughs> this minute, she is fire. She's ready to fix this shit because it is fucked up, and we all know it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, eventually, you realize, like, oh, I moved from I moved from regiment. To division, and I realized, yo, I fucked up. I'm gonna fix you. And you're like, oh wait, never mind. There's a whole bunch of shit that is here that I realized was here. I'm trying to. I still, I still see that there are problems, and I still want to fix those problems. But now I realize there's a system that kind of prevented us down there from ever being able to fix that, and I need to try to fix it within the construct that's here. I think that's where you see that shift in her. Yeah, and that's. But the house still has to be that that fire, right? It has yeah. to be the, the voice that is like, fucking change things. Make changes. These are the things we are talking about. These are the things me and you are talking about right now. And that, you know, when, rolling back, when you don't have enough people there, like, it's not going to have that voice. It's going to have the voice of the 12 corporations who bought all of them. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the, you know, I, I think that, if there's anything that we should do first is like actually make bribery illegal again. Sure. You know, I, I don't understand why this is a, a difficult concept. They might call it by a different name, lobbying, but it's fucking bribery. Uh, yeah. It's bribery. And it, it needs to get removed out of, out of government. If it means that we need to pay, you know, uh, Congress and certain other officials in our government more money. Fine. I'm tired of paying for it through tax dollars anyway, by giving all these corporations, huge tax cuts or not paying federal taxes at all we're paying that money you know what i mean that that's our money now look at the uh, the most recent um proposed stimulus bill there's 900 billion dollars they're going to give the people 600 dollars i'm not i'm not getting that um no. and if you break well, you'll it, get your 
But like, you know, you can buy your PlayStation Five. No, I won't get mine at all. I don't. I don't qualify. What? I make too much. Yeah, I make too much money. <laughs> I got fucked twice. What's the, okay, hold on. I'm not educated enough. What's the limit? The limit, I think, is for an individual. It's either seventy five thousand dollars a year or a hundred thousand dollars a year. So, okay, yeah, neither is fault. Yeah, so it's just like, <laughs> what the fuck? And if you break it down, you know, nine hundred million, nine hundred billion dollars broken down by what? There's two hundred twenty million eight, people that are eighteen and up. That should, that mean that's over forty three hundred dollars that we should all be getting in a lump. But where's the other money going? Why is our priority not on the people? Why is it going to these corporations and all these other fucking all, the, all this other bullshit uh, bills that are stuck in there? And also, they're they're making it so that they put in some bill in there to make it more illegal to stream um, some other person's content. You can get like federal prison time now for it. I'm just like, I did hear about that. What's it to do with with helping people that are affected by COVID? Because you told us to all stay home. Like, come on, guys and ladies and yes, gentlemen. That was a. That was a... A topic a while ago too. This could be another conversation, which is that any any bill, because because there's always those those like omnibus or like completely fucking random. Yeah. Uh, that any bill can only contain topics related to the primary topic, and it can't be some random shit that comes in like that, where you're like, this is a stimulus bill due to COVID because people are dealing with financial hardships and copyright protection. Yeah. What does that have to do with anything? Yeah. <laughs> Why does that have anything to do with this? No. Yeah, and they still haven't spent all the money from the last stimulus. So I'm just like, can we, can we actually pay attention? Like there needs to be. I don't understand why they need to stick in when they do these bills. They try to stick in as much as they can yes. on all these bills, especially when it, especially when there's an emergency. That's when they're perfect at doing it. Yeah, the, the target's opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> so they stick in all this. But I was like, listen, if you're gonna have a bill, it's like like he just said, it needs to stay on topic. If you have something else, you add it in afterwards. Like literally, yeah. with, I want to see Congress sit down on both sides and just be like, hey, all right, this is what we want to pass and just go line by line. Like, from what I understood, um, Tulsi Gabbard broke it down. She said that they were given, because she voted no on the latest stimulus bill, and she said that she was given this 5,000-page document and she was given two hours to digest it and then vote on it. No. Yeah. No. I can't... I I'm a pretty prolific reader, and I think you are too. There's no way I could digest and understand 5,000 pages. No, it's, impo- it's impossible. Literally impossible. And Tulsi Gabbard's like That's one of the youngest crazy. people there. Even with a staff of like 10 people, like, hey, you take 200 pages, you take 200 pages. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're still not going to get there. No. Like, I just, oh, it's crazy. Yeah, but I, I get it. They're, they're cramming it in, and you know, I guess now, you know, President Trump said that they need to have more money for people, like 2,000 dollars or four thousand dollars i'm just like okay that's good but you should have probably paid attention when they were actually having the discussions about this bill and actually led you could you could have given given them direction like a leader should do but he's yeah. he's asleep at the wheel he's too concerned about the election and fighting that stuff you know it's it's, it's silly yeah. to me we've talked about we've talked about the three fundamental types of government which basically translate to really six, which is like a good one and a bad one of each of the three basics, right? So then what a republic works to do is to establish all three, because if you keep going, if you just only ever have one kind of government, if you have either a principality, it will fundamentally, no matter what you do, become a dictatorship or a, a, I can't think of the word right now. What the hell? 
Wait, what, which one did you say? It sounds like Principality. Anyways, a bad version of a Principality. Um, I can't believe I can't think I can't of remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did it a minute ago. Scroll back a few minutes to see it. Yeah. Uh, so, and if you have an aristocracy, which is good, it will eventually, no matter what you do, unless you put some kind of balance in place, become an oligarchy. And the same thing with democracy. If you eventually do nothing to establish some kind of balancing aspect to that democracy, it will become an anarchy. So once that anarchy ensues and everybody is just going crazy and there's nothing happening and no decisions are being made, sounds familiar, then eventually someone says, okay, okay, hold on, stop. This is what we need to do. And that one individual takes charge, makes things happen, and leads the, the society forward and becomes an a, a principality again, right? So you have an individual leading this. So it's this cycle. It's this constantly never-ending cycle of individual types of government. So and the only way to break that cycle is to put all three in place at once. So you establish this triangle of principality, aristocracy, and democracy, all as a fundamental part of the government, balancing each other out, countering, putting certain parts of the decision-making into each one so that nothing can happen unless all three agree on it. And fundamentally what happens is shit slows down, right? So like, and I think that's what's funny to me a little bit as a student of like governments and society is that like people are so frustrated that shit doesn't happen in Congress. I'm like, kind of how it's supposed to happen. <laughs> the problem is that stuff happens too fast in the executive right now. We have our, our, um, yeah. our principality, our executive, our president, who can just fucking do whatever they want. And they should not be allowed to do that. Both the democracy portion of our government and the aristocracy portion of our government should be countering that power in the executive, and they're, they're not doing that well enough. Yeah, no, I, I like what you said. Um, I think traditionally, like when you look at history, what you're saying is totally correct as far as like slowing stuff down. Yeah, it should be slow. But the problem is, is that we're working on these ideas from that long ago to where things need to be sped up only because, like I said before, it's like the way that our technology is currently working. It's so fast right now that they're trying to basically solve problems that we had like years ago. And it's just like... The pace of life has sped up by comparison to the form of government that we have currently in place. Yeah, so that's why I think we need to like... We need to make a change. It's the same thing with capitalism. You know, like I think there needs to be a capitalism 2.0. I think we need a, a, a American Republic 2.0 to where we need to, you know, streamline things to where it's, it doesn't take as long, but it still should take a little longer than folks should expect. But, I mean, if you look at, like, our, you know, newest generations of, of kids that are coming up, the, the millennials and the whatever that's the new generation is, they're, they're used to getting stuff, like, right now. And they're not getting any kind of change right now. They're, they're going to become more and more disenfranchised with our current system. And we, we're seeing it now. I mean, look, look how easily everybody hopped on the uh, Occupy Wall Street bandwagon. And yes, it fell apart, but, you know, then we had the folks that are hopping on the Black Lives Matter, which, don't get me wrong, that one hits a little nearer to my heart than, you know, Occupy Wall Street. But these are things where they, they want change now, but there's literally no mechanism. Well, no, there's very little mechanism and definitely no incentives for people that are in government to make changes at a, at a speedy pace. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a risk, okay? And I'm gonna say like the message for Black Lives Matter is right, right? Yeah, I, I don't like the organization, maybe, <laughs> but I think like maybe method and like 
it as a movement and everybody just jumping on it and like putting my Facebook profile as an all black image. Like the fuck does that actually do? Yeah. Nothing. Totally right? agree. Like if you want to make an impact and make a change and move things forward and agree that we need to get past this institutional racism shit that we have, the only way to do this is to actually have an idea of how to fucking institutionally make a difference. Putting Facebook profiles of black pictures and do shit. Yeah, I agree with that. But what it does, and uh, so backstepping from my from my point, I want to make is that it, from my point of view, when I did that, because I did, uh, it tells you and my other friends who are not white, right? That look, I support you. I'm 100 believe I am a person who you can trust to agree with you and believe we should all be looked at as citizens of this empire as of this nation of this republic as one right not as different pieces and that's all that does it doesn't fix it, it doesn't change it but it helps us socially feel better which could, could drive the house right could drive them to understand like hey these are the changes we need to make let's start pushing stuff um but they're not in tune with us yeah, and I think, you know, one of my problems, what you said, is, you know, it's totally correct. Because I, honestly, when Black Lives Matter first came out, I was just like, I mean, everybody fucking matters. Like, fucking duh. <laughs> like, so I was like, sort of on the All Lives Matter thing, but not like an All Lives Matter person, especially when I see like the way those people are now. Like, definitely not. I mean, obviously, All Lives do matter, but it's basically, yes. once I realized that, you know, obviously I'm black, but it's just like, my life, when I, when I met Obstacles... I just fucking went over them. I didn't care. But not everybody can do that. You know what I mean? And I think that what I didn't understand is that the Black Lives Matter movement is basically like a, a cry for help. So, so, let me stop you for a second. Hold on. So, so, the obstacles that you are able to get over are ones that anyone can get over in this country right now. The problem is that there are certain things that you will encounter that I will never yeah. Right. Um, when when both of us were to get pulled over driving a car down the road, the feeling, the emotion that is evoked personally, internally, between the two of us, we're both driving down any individual interstate. Let's do one we both know, the I five, right? Yeah. So if either of us were driving down the I five and got pulled over by California Highway Patrol, Oregon Highway Patrol, or Washington Highway Patrol, if either of us got pulled over, I'm not going to worry about shit. You genuinely have a reason to be concerned, right? And like a little bit afraid, like, oh, how about if I could get a good cop? One who is genuinely okay, like is a decent dude and knows his role or her role, like in our society. Yeah. Because there are enough of them out there who are not in tune with what the fuck is supposed to be going on to concern you. And the problem I have, and I think I, I, to, to, to get a little weird, I, I just watched your, like, racism video, video from, like, um, June or July. Oh, that's a while back, today. Yeah. Like, Literally today. I was watching it. And I was like, yeah, I, I totally get it. And I, I did not. I did not get this um, a year ago, right? Because I was of the same mindset you had, which was white, white privilege was, like, I was given some shit. No, I just don't have to worry about shit. Yeah. That you do. And that's the difference. Like, and I think it's the phraseology, it's the English, it's the words we're using to describe it that cause the problem 
and maybe we need to maybe discuss changing that di- dialogue like how what are the words we're using because i'm not given something i'm just not worrying about something that you are like that yeah. you are concerned and that you're like the, the rest of my like so many members of my society and my friends and people that i love and care about have to fucking deal with every day and it literally like breaks my heart to think about and i I'm like getting choked up, like literally thinking about this and it frustrates me and I don't know what to do unless we just change the words we use so that maybe more fucking white people, I guess. And again, I'm Native American partially too, so but it doesn't matter. When I get pulled over, someone's going to walk up to the window and look at me and go, that's white dude hating yes. your driver's license yeah. registration. And then they're going to they're gonna ask me some questions because I got blue eyes and light skin. And it's fucking bullshit, man. <sighs> Yeah, it's uh like I said, I, I didn't I had to do like research this year to like really understand like what the what the real problem was. And it, the problem is it's not it's not a fuck the slogan's not going to get you. It's not going to be, you know, these other people's like individual experiences that are going to get you. You really need to actually go through which is probably going to be our next topic is like actual racism in America because I think that yeah. for most of yeah. Americans they're like, oh, well, racism was so long ago. It was so long ago. Like, no, slavery was so long ago. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, slavery. It even, I mean, slavery. It was that long ago, sort of. If you look at all of human history, fucking no, it's not, not that long ago. No. And if you look at the actual issues that that have stemmed for um, African Americans, you know, we're still going through those issues. I mean, literally, there was a story out today. There's a in Palo Alto, California, which is like one of the most affluent places in in California. <laughs> Did, did you read about this? No, no, but I'm Palo Alto. Like, yes, yeah, nice. Like, there's, there's apparently there was a secret um, park there, where literally it was written into like basically like the redlining rules, where like you can only uh, go to this park if you were a resident of Palo Alto or you're one of their guests. And when I talk about redlining, it's where basically the federal government. Do you, have you heard about redlining before? No. This is gonna be. We're gonna go over this more in depth on another podcast. But basically, this was like a. It was federally mandated to where um, there was a line that they were drawing a map. Like, blacks could only live here and whites could only live here. And where they put black, this is where you have ghettos. Like, you can literally look at the red lines from like back in the day. I can look at it in the Bay Area and I can like pull up maps where it'll show you where like I can tell you exactly where the black folks live because it's still a ghetto because they gave them less resources. There's no parks, there's very little grocery stores. They, They call them food deserts. I mean, still to this day, they have very little and very poor um, construction and near um, industrial sites and industrial waste sites. And that's the way it is. And that's the way it was federally mandated here in America. And this this got overturned in like the totally overturned in like the 80s in the 80s. That's in my lifetime. And so when people talk about racism, they talk about, oh, slavery was so long ago. People don't understand that. Um, Papa Bear, you could probably tell me this. What is when you talk about generational wealth? Where does where do most Americans have their wealth? Like where do they what do they pass down that's worth the most amount of money to their kids? Bes, beside yeah, exactly, it's real estate. So, if if you force me to live somewhere that is worth literally fucking nothing, and I can't get a good job because you moved all the jobs away to somewhere else, um, what are you supposed to do? I I didn't get that until this year because I remember I was talking to my my girlfriend. She, she's white. Um, and her parents own a home and I was thinking about how, how many times like her parents could help her 
when she was, you know, as an adult growing up and her and her brother, because they could leverage their house. They would pull up mortgages on their house to pull up more wealth. My parents didn't own a house until I was a, until I was like in my mid thirties. And even yeah. then my mom just died this year. I didn't, there was no inheritance, nothing. So this is what we're talking about when we're talking about, well, we'll talk about another, so I'm bringing this shit down. It's all yeah. totally fucking different topic, but we'll, we'll talk about it more on a different right. podcast. <laughs> Can we do that? Can we do that on the next one? Yeah, we'll do it on the next one. Yeah. Okay. Because I think our goal, and we're, we're kind of going meta here, our goal is to talk about not just government and social contract concepts, right, which is, is the, the really fundamental way to describe governments, right? It's agreement between people. So, yeah. so we describe those as social contracts. Um, a government is just really, really big social contract, right? Where we say we agree, all of us underneath this umbrella to agree to these sets of rules to interact with each other, um, but also to talk about social issues like not just government structure type ones, but how are we dealing with each other on the fundamental levels? And I, I think that's a huge topic that we need to discuss. So I'd love to. I, I really, and again, I think this one would definitely be because. I think if we're if we're titling it, which is hard, but if we're titling it as like a let's talk about racism thing, um, I would prefer. I don't know if that's right. But I prefer you to deliver that to me. <laughs> and the other way around. I obviously don't deal with it as much. Um, but I think as a student of this stuff, um, and as someone who looks white but has dealt with the Native American um, social order of stuff. Uh, did I talk to you about my dad's land? Yeah, yeah. You got to figure out still what you got to do with it, or, or you're trying to buy other parcels of land, so it's like one contiguous land. Yeah. So like just those those things, like the things that are social contract issues. There's more social issues than, than I think uh, government issues, and so that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about on this podcast is mostly just how do we all exist together and not want to kill each other well you know i i think when you talk about social contracts you can't really talk about social contracts excluding a government you know what i mean because i think a lot of these social contract issues have to do with government because i mean obviously we live in a society that is ruled by a governing body and i think that uh when it comes to social contracts like we, we make one with the government like i expect you to treat me like some like everybody else or mm -hmm. you know i expect you know um the funding that I'm getting for my schools to be the same as any other thing, but that's, but there's plenty of times where if you talk, if you want to hear about broken social contracts, it usually comes back to our government, especially with like Native Americans. We want to talk about like one of the most broken social contracts of all time. Um, is that is like basically getting their land stolen from them and not getting. I mean, they, they got some reparations, which I'll talk about in the next one because when you talk about reparations here in America, people get really angry about it. I'm like, why? We've paid it out before. <laughs> like you so so like um in in washington state where i grew up right um in middle school i want to say i want to say seventh grade in seventh grade we do a washington state history class right and my teacher who is one of my like facebook friends which is crazy right <laughs> like the dude's probably, so one of mine yeah and, but uh so we talk still todd elgin um he did he did so much really really great stuff to make us understand washington state history one of the things he did 
handed us a piece of paper, right? It's a piece of paper. It's all gibberish. It could have been Arabesh, like Star Wars text that I do not understand. <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck this is. There's just words on paper. And you're like trying to like, it's like there's maybe some of it kind of makes sense. You're like, oh, I think I, and then halfway through you maybe trying to read it. He's like, hold on, stop. Hey, everybody, listen. If you just, just sign your name at the bottom, I'll give you this, this blow pop. <laughs> It's a blowpop. You can everybody can just have have a lollipop. Just sign a piece of paper. Wait, I literally just need to sign a piece of paper, and you're just gonna give me some. Oh, whatever the hell. Sure. There you go. And then you get a lollipop. Yeah, cool. Oh, by the way, you just gave away all the land. Pretty yeah. tribe here that you guys have lived in and existed in for hundreds, maybe thousands of years, so that we can build a fort over there and take over trading in the area. It's like. Okay, that's that's basically kind of what happened in Washington. I was yeah. like, oh, awesome. <laughs> and they're still getting... It's crazy. You guys are still getting fucked. I mean, I, I, did, a, I did a few gigs for the Navajo Nation, and it's just like I went to like Atlanta. I'm just like, why the fuck are you way out here? Like in the middle Where? of goddamn nowhere. It was like I had, to, I had to fly into New Mexico to go into Arizona, and it was like in the middle of fucking nowhere, dude. Like I was just like... And it was not good land, and like Navajo were huge, man. Like, so what most people don't understand, and that'd be a cool thing to talk about too, is real like Native American tribal layout and how huge some of these nations were at the time. So, like my tribe, the Colville, were a part of the Nez Perce, which is mostly basically northwestern United States up into Canada. Huge stuff, um, Columbia River, Snake River, um, most of Idaho, Washington, British Columbia. So. It's a big area, and but then the, it's a nation of tribes, which is most people don't understand. Like you realize, it's basically a nation of states. Yeah, like yeah. it's not far from what we are doing today. And it, it, but it was also more in touch with our resources and what we were doing and what how we could survive. And I don't know. I, I love I love connecting with it, but like, what's crazy is most people look at me and would not assume that. My cousin, like literally same generation as me, like across the family tree, like when you branch down, like here's me and here's Monty. Like this dude goes and dances in like powwows, like full headdress, full everything because he, he had two parents who were Native American instead of a parent who was Native American and a parent who was white. Like yeah. just that little bit of difference made the difference between how we look. And so he fits in at the tribal dance at the powwow and I definitely would yeah just jeans are weird man you know <laughs> yeah um so do i need to bring it back yes bring us back went okay. on a huge tangent there sorry yeah we're fault. closing we're closing up i think pretty close so the idea of a republic in general is that none of those three systems work independently but if you can create a system which puts them on a scale like our our channel symbol or our, our podcast symbol is and balance them against each other. So if you have a principality, uh, aristocracy, and a democracy, all with their own interests at heart, but only given enough power to counterbalance each other, then the system works really well. So my, my concern is that our government was established in an effort by some very, very intelligent individuals who did a lot of research to include Machiavelli, like if you look back at the founding fathers and, and see all the stuff that they read, Machiavelli is research is, is like mentioned so many times 
And the concern is that we've moved from a republic, which is stable and can be managed and can be balanced against each other, um, to this really weird new thing that isn't any one system, but is like a democratic executive. So like we elect democratically our executive individuals, but we give them no access directly to democratic insight. Um, well, I think it's also, if you want to talk about like the, the whole triangle, I think we're like, if you look at like the oligarchical part of it, like we're going down that route as well. Like we're almost getting like the, the worst of the worst. All of them. Yeah. So it's like so extreme. Cause I mean, if you look at like the, the income inequality, you know, here in America, and don't get me wrong. Like, mm-hmm. I think that you should be able to like, the, the, I still have the American dream. I want to be a, a billionaire too. I really do. But I think the fact that we're getting people that are billionaires that are, you know, get to launder, basically launder their money through their corporations and not pay any federal taxes. That's a huge problem. They, they have a much more deep advantage than other folks do that don't have those sorts of resources. Do, do you know if, um, is there, have there been any reports or studies done that show you, because I haven't seen them, right? Um, the 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 philanthropical like activities of Jeff Bezos. Oh yeah, the, he he puts in huge amounts of money, huge amounts of money um, into like ch- various charities, so, along with Bill Gates. I mean, but the problem is, is that the corporation. I mean, Amazon doesn't pay anything in federal taxes, so I don't. So there, there's something to be said to where. You know, yeah, yes, Jeff Bezos does pay into whatever charity he decides to put into. That's totally true. I, I, I can't discount him on that. On the other side of that, the vast, the vast majority, if not all of his wealth, is tied by a company that puts literally zero into our federal government. So that's that's a problem. Like I, I want him to be able to do like what he's doing, but he also, but his company needs to be able to actually pay into our society. So my my. My concern with the my concern with the analogy, right, would be that if he is a good dude and puts puts stuff into charities and does things as a member of society that he's supposed to do, and he has that level of power, and maybe he doesn't do it as much as he should, but he's doing it, and maybe we would all agree, like, hey maybe put a little more in, but I don't know. Um, I I am, as a libertarian, saying that the government doesn't need to do all of that shit. That the, the society should choose that we do that stuff. We fund it through personal investment in those things to take care of each other. I don't, I don't want the federal government in charge of that because then you get the VA and you get you know, the federal government education system, which is no child left behind. And, and then this new you know thing, and it confuses people. Whereas, and, and, and it doesn't cater to specific demographics. Like does the federal education system require anything about, um, you know, Spanish language education, which would be required in Southern California a yeah. whole lot more or in Texas, a whole lot more than it might be in North Dakota or fucking Minnesota. No, but you need to be able to target those things to your specific audience, which has zero to do with the federal government. So just leave it alone. Okay. Just so I'm glad you said that because I actually I hate when I bring up Jeff Bezos. I actually like Jeff Bezos. I think I that you. I, I think that you know whatever he wants to do with his own money, 
he can do whatever the fuck he... I'm glad that he's a billionaire, to be honest with you, because he, he's, he's a billionaire that actually... Yeah, probably a trillionaire. But he actually gives a lot of money to charity. I just brought him up because of because of Amazon. The problem for me is mainly with Amazon. But what you said is totally true. But also, we as individuals here in in America, if we're not in the you know the capitalist class, um, we do not um, have the option to just not to to tie our money in a corporation. The vast majority of our money in a corporation. And then when we choose to pull the money out and then give it to whatever charity we deem fit. So that's where I have the problem. And it's also where um, we don't, we live in a capitalist, quote unquote capitalist society, but it's not really a capitalist society because like, if you look at anytime there's a problem with corporations, like look at these latest, you know, stimulus checks and all these, um, you know, these downturns in the economy, what do they do? They take our tax dollars and they give them these corporations and the people don't get, they don't see the benefits. And that is not capitalist. In capitalist society, all those corporations would have died. That's the way it's supposed to happen. Let them fail. Instead, we have this hybrid bastardized system to where, okay, you can make as much money as you want to, pay as little tax as you want to, but if you happen to fail, guess what? It's going to come out of the, the people's pocket. Yeah, that doesn't make any any sense to me. I mean, this is why yeah. capitalist two point is capitalism two point is what we need because I like the basis prem the basic premise of capitalism, but we're fucking it up by government interference. Yeah, I mean, and there's a there's an argument for that needing to be the case, but it needs to be done the right way, right? Which is the government interference is specifically just to be able to support those social systems and those those things that we need in order to. Keep society going nothing businesses going. yeah um, basic needs yeah so it's so frustrating um i don't know i don't know what the right system is but i think that in order to figure that out there would need to be an open dialogue about it which isn't isn't the topics right because we're too busy talking about hot fire items and things that make people get emotional because that drives us instead of talking about things that actually affect us daily as a society and could potentially impact us going forward by making decisions that impact how we deal with finance and how we deal with social order and social contracts. And that, that's where I, I kind of like always come back to. But the problem I have is that uh, full disclosure, like I fully expect to try to be a part of um, our government at some point, like run for an office and try to make some impact and try to make some difference. And I don't think that that is far or like a huge change from dedicating myself to, you know, service to the military and service to our country. I still want to just keep doing the same thing and provide a service in a different way. But my concern is that my, my, my focus is on actually fixing the structure and the organization and the, the, like the systems that we have as agreements between me and you and the government. No one wants to talk about it. Yeah. That's the problem. You got, it's like a huge hurdle to, to be had. You know, what's funny like years back, I, when I used to, you know, be a contractor and any, anytime, uh, I, I would fly places, I'd fly the first or business class. So I, it was, it was nice flying any, anywhere. 
And I was sitting next to these really fascinating people. And like one time I was sitting next to like this, uh, she was a, uh, she was some sort of teacher at, uh, I think it was Yale or maybe Harvard. And she was like, you know, you should run for government. And I was just like, what? Cause we were having a conversation like the whole flight. And I was just like, I'm not interested in work for government. And then I was just like thinking about it. I was like, maybe, you know what? I mean, I, I got some decent ideas. Then I, yeah. then I started doing research. Like, well, how much do they get paid? And I was just like, I can't do that. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not rich anymore. I used to make a lot of money, but I make more than what most, you, to start, you should start from the bottom, right? So if I want to work for the local government, I would take a gigantic pay cut and it would force me into like, well, it wouldn't force me because I wouldn't do it because I have morals. Like I wouldn't want to get, I wouldn't, I'm not going to listen to lobbyists to get money. Like I'm just yeah. not going to do it. And that's one of the problems with the way our government works right now. And, that, and that's been a huge part of my, like, and I think that some people struggle to really do the, like, the long game. You know what I mean? Like, let's plan, like, 30, 40 freaking years in the future. No one does that. No one really thinks about that. No, yeah. Well, it's hard. Well, for me, in that situation, like, thinking about the long game, is just like, I'd have to start from zero. And then, you know... <laughs> <laughs> see you well no you won't be starting from zero i mean you'll be pulling down a retirement that, that's what you're going to start off way better than, so that's why you're you're in a better position to do this this plan man this plan man started yeah. sleeping under a bridge <laughs> and my goal like my thoughts were military service 20 years retirement so that i have this steady freaking income business right so then a business it's running and functional and like makes its own money and does me these things. I don't really know what that was going to be. I'll figure it out. That's 20 years from now. Lego. And that's <laughs> Lego something. production. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Right, right. Uh, and then uh, coffee shops was one of the thoughts at the time. Um, and then, and then, so eventually like I have, I have military retirement. So pension from that. And then a business that is running on its own and I'm kind of like general manager, but really CEO letting managers run in the business. Yeah. So there's just, there's just money because once I run for any of those seats for public service, I do not want anyone to come and be like, well, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars if you vote for it. Shut up. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I don't want you to do. I don't want any of your money. Tell me why, what you want makes sense for my constituents. Exactly. And if it makes sense, if it makes sense, I don't need your money. I will vote for it. I, I will absolutely agree with you. If you and I can come to agreement, this is what's best for us as a society, as a social contract. Yeah. I don't need your money. I've already got it. I've got what I need. My family is taken care of. My wife's still working. She loves teaching. I, I'm doing what I'm doing. Does what you're saying make sense? Then sweet. Let's go for it. Sounds good, man. Let's move forward. If you're just trying to get better tax breaks, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my whole take. That's my long game. No, I mean, that, that's the way it should be. And that's that's the way to, to, to really go about it. I mean, a lot of these people are just, they're pulling paychecks and not doing a lot of work. I mean, they're they're not, uh, even when they have time to read the bills, they're not reading the bills. <sighs> even when, you know, their constituents are saying one thing, they're not listening to them. You know, and it's just so, like, what are you so doing? The house about? gets paid, right? The house gets paid. Senate doesn't. How much the house get paid? I mean, like, it's not it's not that much money. 
I thought it was like what? Yeah. It was like a hundred something, like maybe a hundred thirty a year. I mean, that's enough. Right. To offset my retirement plus whatever, that extra hundred thousand means I could definitely let loose of like direct control of stuff. Yeah. And direct income for things. Um, well, without beginning, well, you're assuming that you can get straight to there without any previous. I mean, well, you can. I mean, AOC did it. Shit. I mean, other folks have done it. My. A state representative is easy, and it should be, and it should be easier. We talked about that. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if I need to do more first. Um, California scares the crap out of me because it's so afraid of anything new. Well, yeah, it's it because we're so far to the left. Like most, I mean, yeah. unless you're going to go like Orange County or something like that, or there's certain other. Yeah, yeah, they're they're more on the right but it's just like then I'm that one weirdo at Congress <laughs> like if I show up as the one libertarian in the House of Representatives it's gotta start somewhere why not you what, what am I getting done where's my whip where's my whip to like make everybody am I the speaker of the house no oh okay <laughs> it's gotta start somewhere <laughs> to be honest I mean it, this, maybe, this yeah. We all know right now this the way we're going right now is not sustainable. It's not no. like if you look at the writing has been all over the walls for years and they keep getting worse. I mean, look how how in the world just think about this for a minute. Everybody's listening. How in the world are we going through a global global pandemic and the stock market is breaking records and people are out of work? How is that possible? You know what's even more amazing? How did it happen immediately after they did the stimulus checks? It's weird. It's weird how that happened, isn't it? How they took our money and then put it in the stock market or gave it to the companies that. That's a miracle. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gonna it's gonna skyrocket again. I, I it's probably gonna go up to like thirty five thousand. You know. What do you think it'll do it? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's gonna be under Joe Biden. I mean, it's it's, it's gonna crash. He's gonna be he's gonna be uh, holding the bag, and I I feel bad for the guy, but I didn't vote for him. I don't even like the guy. I, I hope he does better than uh than President Trump, but. You know, all he has to... What's up? I voted for the other Joe. Oh, you, uh, Joe Jorgensen, right? Yeah. yeah. That's, I, I wrote in Andrew Yang. So, you know? <laughs> so, like, uh, I don't know. So, to, to kind of tie it back in, the, the, concern, the concern that ties to our current state and the state of an ideal republic I think I think I look at it as two ways. One, we've pushed too much power to the executive, right? So we've we've pushed a lot of authority into the principality and not pr- produce enough counterbalance in the aristocracy, which I look at and I think we talked about it a little bit. I look at it as the Senate combined with the um, Supreme Court as kind of like the aristocracy. We see the Supreme Court as aristocracy because. They are very well educated. Um, they're appointed into their positions. They're not concerned with re-election or any of those other things that maybe would concern people. So they're able to make some decisions without fear of reprisal. Um, and then the the Senate, because it's it's a very finite, like a very limited body. It's smaller. Um, it should be uh, where most places it takes a little bit more education, a little bit more um, experience a little more wherewithal to be able to get into the Senate. 
Um, but they're not they're not offsetting that that aristocracy. Not sorry, they're not offsetting the principality. No. And then the house, as we talked about, is not democratic enough. So there's no democracy really in the house where the representatives actually represent the people. So it needs to be bigger. Um, so the two things that are supposed to offset aren't really those things anymore. Um, and all three of them are just democratically elected, which removes any weirdness, which some people wanted because they're like, oh, I don't understand. But the weirdness means there's offset and balance and, and a lack of ability to like buy that. Thing. Um, so we have, we have two ways, two ways we can hopefully move forward and maybe fix some of it. Um, one would be, which we talked about in the first, which is fix the proportional representation. Let's fix the house. Let's make the house actually represent all of us. Cause then we have a whole lot of more people who can maybe offset that power and start pulling some of it back into the house. Cause I feel like that's a big thing that's missing is the house of representatives is honestly supposed to be the place where like everything starts. Nothing is supposed to start anywhere other than the house. Ideas are supposed to come from there. Me and you are supposed to be like, Hey, let me write my, my like dude I knew in high school who is now a representative from my building because that's how we're at the point where we have buildings that represent the whole freaking congressional district. Write him an email and he's like, Oh yeah, I'll bring that idea up in Congress. Um, but we're missing that. Right. So we need yeah. that driving force. The, the executive, the president should not be the person who's presenting ideas to Congress. Hey, this is what the people want. You are one person. How the fuck do you know what any of us want? At all. Yeah. Totally so agree. That's, that's a huge one. Um, the other, and this may not be a popular opinion, um, would be removing the direct election concepts related to the Senate itself and to the executive. So, like, I would be okay with never voting for the president of the United States. Oh, yeah. like like how like how uh, UK the UK does it. You vote for the party, yeah. party, oh. right? Vote for your people, uh, and and the way our system is designed. If you read all the Federalist Papers and read all the stuff about the fact how the Electoral College is supposed to work, we would just elect electors to go and represent us to choose or the state. We don't. We don't choose the actual person we would say hey here's this person who's running for elector in our state we like would have honest elections for presidential electors that would be a cooler thing the way that we dis disconnect ourselves directly from the election for the president so then the president can campaign on pandering to the lowest denominator and like trying to get the most people to agree with them which generally leads to extremism right Instead, we don't even know who those people are. Like, I don't even know who's running for president. I don't even know who that person is. All I care about is voting for my freaking elector in the state who has no party affiliation at all, cannot be directly tied, can't have ever paid dues to a political party, just elect electors in the state. That dude's just a freaking uh, professor at the University of Washington in Seattle and teaches congressional politics. Is he party affiliated? No. Has never paid dues to the Republican Party or a Democratic Party. Cool. Go and pick somebody. Go to Washington, D.C. 
meet these dudes. Meet everybody and chicks. Meet these people <laughs> who are running for president. Meet them. Talk about it. Have a party. Have a dinner. Have a gala. Probably get paid too much money. I don't know. But that's your decision because I chose you. Pick the president. Cash him out. Hmm. I disconnected from it. I chose you, but you chose the president. And that's the whole system. Like the system needs to be broken and disconnected and separated and weird because then it's not able to be bought as easily. I think that's a that probably worked better than what we have now, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm more for a, you know what ranked choice voting is ranked choice voting. Yeah, I feel like it's a modern, a modern like interpretation or an effort to try to apply something to the same concept, right? Yeah. So it's like it's trying to achieve the same goal um, with with a different concept. Where the problem is, then if you do ranked choice voting, I still chose. Yeah, but your person. Yeah, I understand. Well, the thing is that the people. I don't, especially as Americans, like that would that would take a whole like paradigm shift here mm-hmm. in America to be like, you don't vote on who you don't vote on the actual head person. But also, I don't believe in like the the head person anymore. I don't I don't know why we have right. just one person as the head. It's it's so silly to me at this point in time. We're seeing the 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 issues with the head person right now because the executive mm-hmm. branch has too much power and it needs to be distributed or reduced. So. Yeah. But yeah, some of that should be right. Some of that should be taken over by the house. Yeah, like for real. I totally agree. That, that's I, I like your idea though. It's something I have not heard of. So let's do with this chapstick again. It puts the lotion on its skin. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, all right. So you got you got your uh, your point out there. Anything else you want to add? Um. So can you explain back to me what a republic is? What a republic is, it's basically, it's the, the whole triangle. It's the democracy. The, it's a democracy, it's an aristocracy, and a principality? Yeah. There we go. <laughs> so is it, bad? is it bad if we have an aristocracy? Well, it depends. I mean, it depends on what the people want. I mean, to be honest with you. like Does it? Uh... If they're okay with it, it's going to be bad over time. Yes, it's probably going to be bad over time because you're going to have people that cool. are disconnected from the people, and that it's probably. Go ahead. To clarify the point, right? You need the aristocracy there. You need the principality there, and you need the the, the democrat democracy. Oh, you're saying as far as like a having a republic, is it bad? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you meant it like just as like a separate, like an actual government aristocracy. Is, is it bad if we have an aristocracy as a part of our system? No, because I mean, it's, it's it's human nature. If you don't have an aristocracy, how, how are you how are you going to want to like raise up? This is how we have the uh, you know the American dream. It's basically yeah. you want to get in the aristocracy. So, who looks out for their interests? Um, for the for the aristocracy or the are the actual people? We don't include them in the decision process. Yeah. Say that again. You cut out. Sorry. So, the the reason to have them as a part of this making process is that who, who would look out for the, you know, the business owners, the, the yeah. Jeff Bezos, right? Who would look out for them and make sure that decisions we make are, 
balance between what's best for the people and what's good for those who do already have, right? So who's for the needs and who's for the already haves? Um, who's looking out for both of them? You have to have both in it. Otherwise, those who still need don't give a fuck about any of the already haves. They're going to take it all from them and make sure that they have, right? Yeah. And then eventually, these people will be like, well, fuck, I'll take my shit to China where I don't have to worry about it here. Um, and so, so that's the that's the balancing act that's being played. And the problem I feel that we have, and, and again, feel free to disagree, is that we have leaned too far towards a democracy and we're doing too much of democratically electing every single other part of the, the thing that potentially doesn't lead to actually balancing the system so that we know what needs to be done for both uh, in a really weird way where we still overemphasize because because we haven't actually boosted up the, the damn it. we haven't actually <laughs> boosted up enough of the democracy representation in the government and then counterbalance the democracy. Uh, yeah, so this so, offset. Yeah, this is like the weird problem that I'll probably talk about in the next podcast. I got to do a bunch of like I got to write down a bunch of stuff for the next one. But when it Dude, comes, I want to have like pictures and like <laughs> yeah. in at this point. Well, I probably got to re-read re a bunch of uh, books that I've already read just to like really break it down to people because it's like they're complicated issues. But when it comes to like, so what, ideally, what you would want in a democracy is um, educated voters, right? Like people that actually understood what they're voting on in the in the democratic arm of a republic. Uh, yes. Like if we're voting on anything, you should be as educated as possible, right? Sure. But Absolutely. in but in our republic, that's not how it works because we have vastly different educational systems across the U.S. So when people start talking about, um, we need to have like voting because it's going to come down to voting restrictions. It's like basically what the that's where the road goes is like, you need to have a certain amount of education. You know what the fuck you're talking about to be able to vote. And when you start going down that road, there are very warranted arguments about voter suppression. It's like, well, I'm an American. Uh, why can't I vote? But it's like, well, if you don't actually know what the fuck you're voting on, should you vote? And historically that doesn't really go well, but I understand both sides of the argument. So <laughs> I think, I think you and I have talked about it a little bit. And this may be a whole other, whole other topic too. Like, who deserves to vote, right? Like, I don't think it's landowners. That's bullshit. But I think it's people who have an understanding of what it means to give and like contribute and serve other people. And this is right? what yeah, this is what goes into the Starship Troopers realm. <laughs> yeah, and, and, like, I, would, I would never, I would never ever go as far. And this, I definitely believe we need to have a whole other topic on. Yeah. I would never go so far as to say, like, it has to be military service. Civil service is what I'm all about. Just yeah. not suited for military service. No. I don't want some of them assholes in the military service. Yeah. But, but I think there are ways we can all learn to, like, think about other people in a way that, like, contributes to society so that then when we leave that service and then move towards thinking about ourselves, there's still that memory of, well, it could be better if we did this for each other. And I think it's that it's just four, two years, four years. I don't know. It would be a discussion. No, something. 
honestly, I, I I'm totally there with you. I, I've said it for years. It should be mandatory civil service of some sort. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you hit you know the minimum criteria for civil service, because obviously there's people that can't even do civil service um, because they are missing um, either uh, the mental faculties or other issues that they might have. Uh, but that that's outside of you know shit that we can control. Anyway. I think we should have civil service, um, whether it's, you know, having to actually be an assistant for a House of Representatives, you know, person or somebody in the Senate or, your, you know, your mayor or any kind of local government to actually understand how the fuck our government works or go to, you know, another country um, with like, what was that famous, uh, the Peace Corps or whatever, that can count as civil service as well. You know what I mean? To understand more about life or just even just like a, a state exchange where you have to like live in a different, you know, way of life here in the United States. That can kind of civil service as well. But I think that here in America, it's so easy to get stuck in our echo chambers, even before there was the Internet. Um, yeah. There's people that have that, that have lived that have never left their state in their entire. They're going to live and die in their state, never traveled. And these people are giving this. These people are voting on stuff that affects me if they if they live on a farm. It's same with me. If I, I live in I live in cities, I can vote on their stuff when they live on a farm. You know, it's just like we need to be able to understand people more. More. I, yeah, I mean, like how even and as as crazy as people seem to think they are, are like Greenpeace. I'd say there's an argument there. Like your focus is on thinking about something bigger than your individual self there's an argument there for that being civil service and like community service and social contract thought right like you think bigger than yourself i'm willing to discuss whether or not that qualifies for like certification to be someone who is allowed to vote on decisions within our country my concern is just when the only thing you've ever thought about is you and your block and your building and your school and like your tiny little neighborhood, you never think about anything else and you're going to make decisions for the entire nation of the world, right? Potentially based on that experience. Like, shouldn't you maybe go work for the library? Yeah. Or you maybe the whole town or be a postman. Or work at the park service. Or do something a little bit bigger than yourself. Just a little bit. I don't need it to be a lot. But something where you've gone like, hey, I thought about making sure that we put a good basketball hoop in this neighborhood. We put a tennis court over there. We put a pool in the area. We make sure that there's a park in our neighborhood. That those things service more than just you. And just your very tight-knit group. It's got to it's gotta be a little bigger than that. And as soon as you do that, I'm good. I'm good with you voting because I feel like you can think, how does this help more than just me? My concern is when the mob votes, the mob votes for me. And when you can't think outside of that, that's when it gets dangerous for democracy um, as a purity kind of concept. Um, so when we're contributing to the republic as a democracy, even that democracy portion needs to be qualified in a way that makes sure that they're thinking about the other elements, the other portions of the democracy, and the members who contribute. Um, if all you've ever done is graduate high school, 
go to Wall Street, make shitloads of money, I don't think you could do it. Yeah, uh, that's, that, those are really good points. It's uh, um, I, I think I mentioned it before. It's like we've gotten so far away from like empathy. Like we just replaced it with apathy. Like seriously, like they, people don't even understand what the fuck altruism is anymore. Altruism is anymore here in America. They're just about me, 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 and we have freedom. But fuck other people's freedoms. Like they're, they're yeah. So I I totally agree with with you on on, on those points. I wish that the vast majority of Americans were better with actually caring about Americans that don't necessarily think like them. That's the problem is with the us versus them mentality is that they're just thinking about them and people that think like them. But it's like, guess what? People that don't think like you still deserve the same amount of human rights as you do, you know? So let's not strip away other folks' rights, like actual rights, not bullshit rights, you know, like actual rights um, for you to feel better or, and for you to continue your way of life so you can be more comfortable. So, yeah. All right. I think, I think I, I think I'm off my soapbox. Well, you can take us out of here, man. So I appreciate everybody listening. Um, if you want to feel free to subscribe. Um, I know this is actually like an independent channel or a, a part of another channel right now. We don't know what we're going to do going forward, but, um, Appreciate you listening. Hopefully this helped you learn something. Um, We are continuing to do this going forward as much as we can. And we really appreciate everybody participating. Uh, Check us out on our social media, which hopefully is listed in the description. I'm trying to work on that as much as we can. I know we're working together (laughs) with Son. I'm trying to produce this thing a little bit better as we go forward. Uh, Both of us have skills, but we both also got a whole lot of going on. Yeah. yeah. we're, (laughs) We're doing the best we can. But these are important topics. These are things that not just the two of us need to be talking about. I hope that the conversation continues in um, the comments. And if you have anything you want us to talk about, please feel free to leave us a note. Um, that's really all I've got to cover. Razan, do you have anything else? Because um, this is like, this is going to be our third one. So yep, hopefully, ready. we're going to drop all these. Like They'll be in order as we're doing them, but... It's going to seem like we're just dropping them. These are all at different times. Um, but I actually, I actually opened up like a Discord channel for like the main channel. This might split off to like a different channel, which is likely. Especially if we get a, you know, a good audience. Um, and so what I would like to do is have like a Discord channel just for this. And to like yeah. really talk about like actual issues um, and see what all of you think. And I'll be on there, you know, like. Discord's easy to use, you know, <laughs> so it's easy to chat with, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, I'd love to have conversations with folks and just to, like, break stuff down and actually hear your thoughts on on what we're both talking about because I think that these are, they're educational, to, obviously, to both of us. So far, it's been, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I like how we can be honest. How, yeah. <laughs> well, see, I got to talk to my, my other buddies tomorrow and I get to just bullshit, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is bullshitting sort of too, but I'm learning. So. All right. With that. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate the conversation, man. Thank you.